Hi, and welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. I'm Brian, your host, and this week's episode, we're chatting to Hollywood actor D.B. Sweeney. He was in Memphis Belle, Fire in the Sky, and the night is classic, The Cutting Edge. So, sit back and relax, and enjoy the stories about him and Sean Astin in his new project, Two Dumb Mix. And of course, this episode is brought to you by the wonderful people at Prop Store of London. So go visit their site, propstore.com, today. So relax, sit back, and enjoy the episode. And remember, if you like the episode, please share, like, and subscribe. So here we go with DB Sweeney. Welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. But thank you for coming on to the podcast. Uh, Thanks, bud. Over 30 years you've been in this industry of making film and TV. You have probably seen so much over the 30 years. And today we're going to talk about your latest project, which I've got to say is fantastic. It's won over 50 awards already at the film festivals. Um, and it's called Two Dumb Mix. So why? Why Two Dumb Mix? Well, I, you know, it's, it's meant to be an homage to, uh, I love Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello and, uh, you know, even back to, you know, not to be pretentious and try to associate myself with Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, but it's it's inspired by the old comedies where it was a lot of physical comedy and everybody could join together and laugh and yeah. so much of our current, uh, you know, environment is, is, is divided and people, certain things are allowed to be made fun of and other things aren't. But I think everybody can agree that a guy getting hit in, hit in the face with a pie is uh, <laughs> universally acceptable. I've got to say, uh, when I watched it, because I got brought up, my dad did a great job and Abbott and Costello were my favourite movies to watch when, when I was younger. Um, and it's very Abbott and Costello. It's 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 so so funny. Um, how did the project come to life? How did you come up with the idea? Well, I, I was I was looking at these forms of uh, the the original back in the silent movie days. That they call them one reelers, and they were ten to twelve minute comedies because of the limitations of film and projecting technology at that time. That was pretty much what was available to the consumer and what people were creating. So. I just thought they were very pure comedies in those days. And then, like, we both grew up in Abbott and Costello and, yeah. and, and the more modern, talky version of those short comedies. And I just started thinking about how my kids are teenagers and they watch a lot of content on their phones and they don't want to sit through a 90-minute movie. They want to sit through something shorter. And just all these thoughts were coming together. And I, I ran into Sean Austin, who we did uh, Memphis Bell together in England in 1989. Yeah. And I see him from time to time, every five or six years, and I always thought he's one of my favorite people that I ever worked with. And I was hoping at some point somebody would just put us together in a movie again, but it never happened. So I decided to take a step and try to make it happen myself. <laughs> Are we going to see more adventures of the two dumb mix? 
We hope so. I mean, I've written 10 more scripts and uh, we've had a few offers to produce it as a short form series. And oh, of course, Quibi is launching uh, on Monday, uh, April 6th uh, as a new provider of it's going to be sort of the Netflix of short form com uh, comedy and drama and reality shows and so forth. So I think there's going to be a real paradigm shift from uh, all the conventional ways we get our entertainment and especially our comedies. Yeah. And hopefully within that new world, there'll be a place for two dumb mix. Sean and I both really want to do it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the trend is definitely changing. I mean, podcasts are becoming very, very popular. And also, with with that new uh, channel starting, uh, hopefully I'll be getting Keith Sutherland on the podcast um, very, very soon to talk about The Fugitive. And I've got to say, it's great to have these short movies because when people are commuting to work or they're on a break, or they just want that slice of uh, magic, they don't have to sit through an hour and a half movie. And uh, you've packed so much in to that, I think it's five minutes uh, of just pure enjoyment. Um, so being a, you know, doing a short film, did you find it hard uh, to not add more into it? Did you have, have to hold back? Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to establish the characters very quickly. And, and so that's the challenge from a story point of view is how do you get two people involved in a caper who didn't know each other two minutes before? Yeah. So I thought that was had a lot of comedic possibilities. And now that we've established the characters in future episodes, I think people will see these two characters and they're like, OK, what are they going to be up to this time? And so it becomes a, not, not a meme, but a, like a riff that, you know, we get it. These are the idiots and they're going to get into trouble. I mean, obviously, it's, it's won loads of, of of awards, and you must be very, very proud of that, especially because you wrote and directed and also funded the project. Of, am yeah, I right in saying I that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. Sorry. And, and you know, the, the film festivals were, were it started out in my mind as a bit of a lark. You know, I didn't really think that it would, you know, be, receive all the acclaim that it did. I, I didn't, I, I, not that I thought it was not worthy of it, but yeah. film festivals tend to, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of art festivals, you know, they reward things that are a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, avant-garde or, or, I don't know, uh, with artistic aspirations worn on their sleeves. So I didn't really expect that. I put it in the film festivals as a way of uh, hearing the, the jokes and, and seeing the characters in front of an audience and figuring out what was working and maybe where, where I could where I could improve it. And, and the movie just plays great. I mean, in five minutes in a live screening, there'll be six or seven laughs, which is, uh, you know, a writer's dream. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with feature films, you can have a, a, a good comedy that is an hour and a half long, you know, 90 minutes. And maybe within that film, you might have three or four decent laughs. Um, so it's great to have something that's five minutes and... Do you know what? It's just it, it. It reminds me of my college days, to be honest. You know, having a few drinks and 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 ending up on a park somewhere. Not not obviously chasing geese, um, but um, the, the the goose in it. Please say that was a stunt goose. That was uh, that goose is a stuffed goose and a computer generated goose. And uh, there's with no geese were harmed in the making of this film. So uh, we, we actually I, call, I when I was researching how to make this, you know, it's one thing to sit by your typewriter and write down. They capture a goose and, and stuff it in a bag. But, but then to actually film it, I, I called up um, animal trainers in Los Angeles and I said, hey, I need I need the goose to do this and that. And the other thing I said, yeah, sure. $20,000 and uh, it probably won't work, but we'll be glad to take your money. And I thought, you know what, we'll just chase around some geese and figure it out in the editing. <laughs> so everyone can watch this 
movie on YouTube, on your channel. channel. I'm going to share it on my podcast and on my page as, as, as well. So I urge everyone to go on, onto the uh, YouTube channel, subscribe, so we get to uh, see any new things down the line. But while I've got you here... The Cutting Edge has got to be one of my favourite movies grow, growing up. And you must get sick and tired of people talking about, you know, some of your old movies. But I've got to I've got to speak to you about it. Um, did you do all the skating? I, I didn't do all the skating. I did a chunk of it. But, uh, yeah. but to, to your point, I, I never get tired of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel really honoured that, you know, I have, you know, five or six movies from more than 20 years ago that people watch over and over again. I think that's a great compliment and, it, and it's uh you know it's a tribute to the people that were involved like in the cutting edge moira kelly was such a terrific co-star and tony yeah. gilroy wrote the script and it was just a great great experience and uh moira and i both learned to skate neither of us had ever skated in our lives and really? they, they gave us no they gave us three months and and uh, wow. they they hired out an ice skating rink and so she and i would go to the rink every morning and practice skating and even more importantly for the movie we were sort of like our relationship. We were building this history of, of sort of like teasing each other and competing with each other and just enjoying each other. And, and, and that's so much uh, uh, um, paid off in the filming of the movie. And that was definitely a highlight of the 90s for me. But you did that movie after Mem Memphis Bell, which, of course, was another 90s. I mean, it came out in 1990. Uh, for me, Memphis Bell was absolutely an amazing movie. Did you spend much time in the UK filming that? Was that all filmed in the UK? It was entirely filmed in the UK for four months. We were, uh, we were at Pinewood Studios, yep. and then we were at a, 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 an airbase, an RAF airbase uh, decommissioned called uh, Binbrook in Lincolnshire. And uh, so we spent, I think I was there a total of five months. Wow. Unbelievable experience. That, you know, the crew at, at Pinewood was just, uh, David Watkins was the director of photography. And his whole crew had worked on all these great movies. The camera operator, um, the, the legend was, was on The African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. And wow. So just this great, great um, uh, walking history of British cinema uh, on that set every day. And, then, and, and of course, that's where you met uh, Sean Austin. Um, I mean, have you got any funny stories of working on Memphis Bell? Because come on, there's a bunch of guys together, you know, having a laugh. You've got to have had some funny stories. Anything that that may have happened. I mean, obviously, uh, not that it's going to get 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 you into trouble. <laughs> no, I think the, I think the statute of limitations has already passed on everything, so <laughs> we should be in the clear. But you know, that was the last movie really uh, before computer generated special effects took over our business, and yeah. I think. That's a, a development for the worse because uh, practical effects, you know, whether it's a movie like Bullet with Steve McQueen where he's really driving and those cars are really flying through the streets of San Francisco, um, it's more exhilarating when it's real. But unfortunately now with the Marvel movies and Star Wars, everything is, uh, you know, it's pretty much computer generated and it has a, a fake feeling to it in my yeah. opinion. So, so we had uh, six actual B-17s flying during wow. the filming of Memphis Bell and we had 12 german fighter planes that were flying so 18 planes and two camera planes so anytime you see a flying sequence in memphis bell it's really planes yeah and they didn't have, they didn't have enough extras and crewmen to man these planes when they were in the air being filmed so they asked some of us actors to jump in there and of course we had been trained on the 50 caliber machine guns um during our training period for the movie and while we were flying they wanted us to fire the guns because Again, not having computer-generated bullet shots, 
um, with uh, your war buff uh, fans will know this, but uh, when, when you fire a machine gun uh, in an aircraft, every fourth round is a tracer round. It's like a flaming round so you yeah. can track your aim. So the first three bullets that we were firing were blanks, and then the fourth round would be a flaming round, which would go 300 meters. So B-17s were made out of magnesium, which is probably the most flammable metal that there is. And they didn't think we had any chance of hitting each other. So we started shooting the 50 caliber tracer rounds at each other on the planes, <laughs> bouncing them off the plane. I mean, we easily could have shot each other down. It was one of the stupidest things we've ever done, but we got away with it. And what a, and what a film. I mean, what's your proudest moment um, in, in your career to date um, that well, you're most proud of? Um, you know, those two, the Memphis Bell and Cutting Edge are, are a great joy to me. And uh, Lonesome Dove is a Western with Robert Duvall. I think Robert Duvall is our greatest American actor. So to work with him closely yeah. for four months and have that movie be so important to so many people, it's, it's something about the culture of America and Larry McMurtry really captured it. And, uh, you know, those, those, those ones are certainly up there. Eight Men Out is a movie about baseball that means more in America than the rest of the world. Yeah. But mostly, uh, you know, I'm in my uh, I've been doing this for over 30 years now and, and not many people have that kind of longevity and people are still calling me. So I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I've produced uh, enough quality work over the years that, that people still reach out to me. And and every time I watch a program, you pop up as a guest star, which is great. Like 24, uh, using touch uh, with Kiefer Sutherland in both. Um, I, 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 you know, you've you, you've literally been in in the majority of things that I've loved grow, growing up, which I think is great. I mean, there's been one film that uh, scared the hell out of me, which you're probably going to guess what film it is. But I watched it when I was young. It was Fire in the Sky, um, and it was an awesome movie. Um, what what was it like filming that? Because it was based, it was a biopic uh, on Travis, um, who was a gentleman that that you know, experienced what the film is about. He also starred in the movie, which I didn't realise. Um, he did a an extra part, I think, in the movie. Um, but what was it like film, filming that, knowing that it was, you know, from someone's story of, you know, it really happened to them? Well, again, it was a great cast. They put together uh, uh, Robert Patrick and, and James Garner is one of my all-time favourite actors and to uh, to be around him and play golf with him and, and during our downtime was phenomenal. Peter Berg was in the movie. He's gone off to become a very prolific film director, very talented guy. And Henry Thomas um, from E.T. Yeah. So it was really a great bunch of guys to be around. And uh, Henry Thomas told the greatest story about getting hired for E.T. He actually saw an alien when he was a very small boy on a camping trip with his family. And the way he got the part in E.T. was telling Steven Spielberg that story and he scared Steven Spielberg. So if you ever get the good fortune to talk to Henry Thomas, ask him to tell you that story. And, uh, you know, Fire in the Sky was, it was a great opportunity because nobody had ever really captured that idea. I mean, we've had a lot of movies about aliens and so forth. And people talk about what do they do and research and everything. Yeah. So this was a sort of a, a, you know, a version. It's not exactly what Travis Walton talks about in his book. Yeah. But it's a, it's a version of what might have happened, say, if you were abducted by an alien. It's just it's been very resonant for people because... I think like sharks and uh, uh, falling from a great height, the idea of being abducted by aliens is, is a very uh, uh, common uh, horror fantasy. And what was the scene like to film? You know, the scene where you get abducted and, you know, you're on that table. It looked horrific. I mean, was that all you? I mean, was you, was you there present for the, for the whole, whole, whole shooting? Because it just looked horrific. 
<laughs> yeah, I did every shot except one. There's one shot where they had the where the where the plastic sucks down on my body and then the camera pulls away. They had to glue down that plastic and it took about four hours to do it. So they gave me the option of letting the the stunt double do it, and I, I let him do that one shot. But every other shot of the weightless, uh, the weightlessness was really interesting. The way they did it, uh, again, it's not computer generated; it's all practical sets. And they hung me from wires upside down, and then they turned the camera. They built the set upside down. They turned the camera upside down, and they hung me upside down because often when people are suspended by wires, it's very clear you can see. Oh, he's being held by his hips by yeah. wires that have been since you know wiped out of the picture but in this case because they hung me upside down you couldn't really tell it really felt like it was weightless so that was a very genius you know kind of old hollywood low-tech innovative idea and i think it really helps that sequence but I, I just had fun because i felt like these were the best people it was industrial light and magic the best uh you know practical effects people in the business and i was excited to be there yeah all uh, right it, it's just a great film um Going back to uh, Two Dumb uh, Mix, obviously you was over in Ireland. Um, was it last year or this year? Yeah, in the yeah. fall, in November. Yeah, uh, obviously show, showcasing your short film. Have you got any plans in the future to come to the UK again once all oh. of this is um, done and dusted with the old uh, COVID-19? I would love to. I've had I've been to been to London and, and England many times, and I love visiting there. I have so many friends there. I actually just did a show two years ago called Ice with uh, with the great Ray Winston. And, oh yeah, uh, good old Ray. And so, so last time I was in uh, England was two years ago, I think, and we got to spend. Uh, we had Easter brunch together at, at a buddy of his restaurant um, in East London, and it was just unbelievable. So now I have another excuse to go and, and, uh, try to catch up with Ray. And then, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, there's, I've been so fortunate with the actors I've worked with and, uh, but to spend five or six weeks in South Africa with Ray Winston is, is absolutely one of the greatest memories of my career. I'm sure that would be tough to top. South Africa is a beautiful country. Whereabouts were you in South Africa? We were in Cape town and right. it's, you know, we've gotten into this fractured broadcast world where if you don't have the particular server, you know, this was direct TV in America. Yeah. I don't even know if it was ever shown in England, but there was two seasons of this show. It was called ice and it was about yeah. the stolen diamond world. And I was only in the second season and uh, Ray was in both seasons. I, you know, I, I, he's one of those guys. I think you watch him read the telephone directory and he's just amazing. So if anybody can get a hold of it, watch it for him. Not, not for me, but uh, it's it's worth a look. I'll have to have a look. Well, thank you so much for the chat. I mean, again, two dumb mix. Check it out on uh, DB Sweeney's YouTube channel. Obviously, subscribe. Is 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 there any projects that you've got? You know, lined up. I, I do. Yeah, I just wanted to mention. Also, people can see it on Facebook All at right. facebook.com slash two dumb mix. And there's no being dumb. Because they're dumb. So, uh, uh, but if you go either place, and, and if you leave a comment or or just say you loved it or you hated it or you have an idea for a story, all that stuff will help us as we move forward in shaping it. And on other fronts, I have a movie called uh, Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre, wow. which is a really fun uh, comedy about vampires. I'm sorry, zombies, and it's it's a wrestling match that turns into a zombie outbreak, and it's really fun. I have a great character. That should be out uh, uh, around thanks November, December, somewhere in that range this year. Well, thank you so much, and keep safe in this mad time with you and your family. Uh, what's that behind you? Just out of curiosity, there's a, oh, a that, nice that is, 
Yeah, that, that's the actual ice hockey jersey that I wore in the cutting edge. <gasps> um, and it was worn by the American great ice hockey player Bobby Hall. And I live in Chicago now, and Bobby Hull played for Chicago, obviously, and he's retired here, and we've gotten to be friends, and he actually signed it for me. So I, I don't have a lot of memorabilia in my life, but that's one that I'm very proud of. Wow, that is absolutely awesome. Well, you look after yourself, keep safe, and thank you so much for being on Be More Super, the podcast. DB Sweeney, thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share it with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.